0: Hello, my name is Nicholas Ward, and this is Historical Hysteria, the only show likely to, let's say, restart a genocidal civil war. Today we are talking about, actually, maybe we should do a different episode today. Anyway, today we are talking about the myth of Serbian, Croatian, Montenegrin, and Bosnian, or if you're nasty, Serbo-Croatian. Usually we tackle Anglophone myths on this show, is something I would say if I had not spent five weeks doing Japanese myths. Uh, But I'm sure you're asking how are four languages a myth? These four languages are part of the Northern group of Southern Slavic based languages native to, you guessed it, the North Balkans in Southern Europe. Southern Slavic, like its cousins to the north, split into various dialects and languages. Macedonian in the south, Slovene in the north, Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian, and Montenegrin in the centre. Travel to Croatia, and you will be taught Croatian. So, to some, it came as a surprise when in 2021 the Board of Standardization of the Serbian Language declared Serbian was one language, with Bosnian, Croatian, and Montenegrin regional accents of Serbian. Since 2021, Serbian school textbooks list Croatian as an accent of Serbian. The Croatian government responded to this furiously. Prime Minister Andrej Plenković responded, quote, "I expect Serbia to correct that such anomalies in their textbooks and I don't see what's the intention and with what kind of wisdom and sense that happened." And that the textbook practically denies the Croatian language." End quote. Since then, the two countries have traded barbs across the nervous Bosnians. So what the hell is going on? How can a language not be a language? Are we in that much of a post-truth world? Is someone going to come out and call English an accent of French next? Well, no. The issue of Serbian-Croatian and Serbo-Croatian is a complex and evolving issue affected by numerous growing nationalist ideas and ideologies. And in many ways, the four languages are emblematic of the extreme devise that is the Balkans today. My user metrics tell me most of my listeners are Americans, so to break down what is Serbo-Croatian and if it really is one or four languages, we are going to do a quick rundown of the southern Slavs, starting with where they came from. Like many groups, who these Slavs were, where they came from, and who they displaced is still a somewhat fraught question. Records of the Slavs begin with the Romans, in the central plains of Eastern Europe. As the Roman Empire collapsed, these tribes migrated everywhere. Much like the Saxons in the west and centre of Europe, the Slavs conquered and migrated south, east, north and west between the 6th and 11th century. These settlers brought with them Slavonic, the linguistic basis of modern Slavic languages called northern, southern and western Slavic. However, it is the southern Slavs we are interested in today. The Slavs migrated south into modern-day North Macedonia and west into Slovenia. These southern Slavs would be cut off from their slightly more northerly cousins by modern-day Hungary and Romania. These Slavs would thrive in the vacuum left by the declining Byzantine Empire. Their luck came to an end in the 14th century with the arrival of the Ottomans, who over the next 300 years secured control over almost all of the southern Slavic states. At the time, the growth of the Habsburgs and the Hungarians to their west brought the few remaining Slavic areas into these respective empires or under their dominance. By the 16th century, there were only two southern Slavic areas not under foreign control, the Republic of Ragusa, which had become a protectorate of the Ottomans, and the Kingdom of Croatia, though technically part of the Habsburg Empire, it was an autonomous kingdom. That would become the no-man's land between the Austrians and the Ottomans. Slavic areas would form the backbone of the Ottoman Janissary Corps, recruited out of local Christian and Jewish populations. These Janissaries, though officially severed from their old familial ties, would nevertheless give prominent positions to family members and invest into the regions. One region benefited from Ottoman rule more than others. Modern-day Bosnia, centred around the city of Sarajevo. Bosnia thrived on the movement of spices, silks, and other trade goods from the empire to Europe. And around this time, a radical concept was being born in Europe. Books began flying off the printing presses, which were bringing literature and literacy to the middle classes of Europe. This was rapidly developing strange and new concepts like the nation-state, and even language as we today think of it. Prior to the printing press, language was broken into linguistic groups and dialects with each dialect being, in effect, an almost completely separate language. Books allowed for the dissemination of norms in grammar and syntax, and dialects grew less and less distinct. Over time, dialects turned into accents, and created our modern conception of language. In the Ottoman Empire, however, printing did not take off. Though the press arrived in the Empire, people treated it with a big ol' meh. The why of this is complicated. The first mass-produced books in the Empire didn't come around until the 18th century. Uh, There are myths about this, usually blaming religious groups. This isn't exactly accurate. Regardless of the reason, by the time the Ottomans get around to the press in the 18th century, they were far behind Europe. Printed books initially were only in Arabic and Turkish, and in a far-off corner of the Empire, things started to go badly. The northern borders of the empire had always been restless areas, especially in the west. The Slavs of this area, after 500 to 1,000 years, had broken down into various distinct cultural groups. Though all Slavs were Slavic and spoke Slavonic, they had developed distinct cultures and dialects, influenced by their local populations, chief trading partners, and religions. In the north were the Catholic Slavs, Croats, and Slovenes, heavily influenced by Venice and the Holy Roman Empire. In the south and east were the Orthodox Serbians and Macedonians, and in the centre were the Islamic Bosnians, heavily influenced by Turkish. And the Montenegrins were also there, with a few outposts of Venice still clinging to their rocky shores. Though Bosnia was primarily Islamic, as the crossroads of the empire, it soon became home to a vast multicultural society of Orthodox, Catholic, and Islamic Slavs. The Kingdom of Croatia kept the dream of Slavic independence alive, and Serbian revolutionaries rose and were crushed and rose again. But as the Ottoman Empire began to decline in the 17th century, the Kingdom of Hungary and the Empire of Austria began busily measuring up the drapes. The decline of the Ottomans created a confusing state of affairs. In 1683, when the Ottomans were defeated outside Vienna, the the Slavic Republic of Ragusa, seeing the wind change, quickly recognised the authority of the Habsburgs over Ragusa. While still recognising the authority of the Ottomans over Ragusa, which is a brilliant but also very confusing state of affairs, the independence of the Kingdom of Croatia was slowly whittled away by the Habsburgs and it would become fully dominated by Austria, then in 1863 was fully absorbed into the now Austro-Hungarian Empire. But this gradual change in ownership over the 18th and 19th century allowed subversive ideas to slip in. The rise of the nation-state, nationalism and liberalism in the 19th century found fertile ground among Slavs. As had happened elsewhere, these southern Slavs started asking inconvenient questions about who and what they were. Bosnia had long been one of the most stable and loyal provinces of the empire. With so many Janissaries recruited out of their population and the benefits this entailed, it's easy to see why. But things in this area began to change once the Serbians finally won one of their many, many revolutions in 1817. In 1826, the Janissaries were disbanded, and the Greeks won their War of Independence in 1829. Nationalist rumblings began to sound, and even in loyal Bosnia, nationalist rumblings began to sound. Possibly more because of their loss of privilege, because of the disbandment of the Janissary Corps, than actual nationalistic interests, but uh, who's to say? That's a whole, complex, other issue. Slavic nationalism was further spurred on by the Sardom of Russia, who totally weren't just trying to destabilise the Ottomans and the Austrians, and by the increasing domination of Austria over the Croats. Despite the success of revolutions in the early 19th century, by the end of that century, the only Slavic nations that stood free was Serbia. Montenegro was also there. That controversial Slavic language, today called Serbo-Croatian, began to take form during this period. Intellectuals from across the Balkans set out to try and unify the dialects of Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian, and Montenegrin into a single language. Academics had realised that these four dialects, though distinct, shared common words, grammar, and syntax, much like the Germanic dialects before being unified into a single language. Macedonian and Slovene were considered too divergent to bring into this group, effectively forming new language groups of their own. The northern-southern Slavs took elements from each dialect and began experimenting with a new unifying dialect, Serbo-Croatian. And so Slavic nationalism began disseminating material written in this new dialect, Serbo-Croatian, that could be read and understood by anyone across the region. Then, in the middle of the 19th century, everything hit the fan. In 1868, the incredibly confusing Kingdom of Croatia joined the Austro-Hungarian Empire with the Slavonic Kingdom, who I forgot to mention earlier. In 1878, the Austrians, because of a war in Russia between Russia and the Ottomans, took control of Bosnia... Herzegovina, naturally. And in 1882 the Principality of Serbia, still technically an autonomous region of the Ottomans, became the independent kingdom of Serbia. During their long occupations, despite very different experiences over the centuries, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina and Serbia had shared close cultural and economic relationships so that they all spoke dialects of the same language though the Ottomans and the Austrians had been fairly keen to keep a lid on too much Slavic independence. The thawing of this as the Ottomans retreated east led to a boom in Serbo-Croat culture, and as had happened in Europe three centuries earlier, the spread of printed literature in Serbo-Croatian causes the dialects of Croatian, Serbian, and Bosnian to begin to lose their distinctiveness. As the 20th century dawned, Slavic nationalists protected by Serbia and, more importantly, Russia, pushed to create a Slavic identity in the Balkans a unification of the Southern Slavs into a single Southern Slavia. A Yugoslavia, if you will. Ominous thunder. Serbia, backed by Russia, in turn backed Bosnian and Croat nationalist movements within the Austro-Hungarian Empire, providing refuge for academics, politicians, and civic leaders. Then something happens in 1914, and in 19, the long-held dream of idealistic Slavs is born in the kingdom of Croats, Serbs, And Slovenes. Wait, where are the Bosnians in this? Don't worry about it, we'll get to it. This becomes the Kingdom of Yugoslavia in 1929, controlling all of the major southern Slavic areas from Macedonia to Slovenia. It is a huge idealistic undertaking. The language of the nascent nation is Serbo-Croatian, but during this period the cracks are already showing, and no more so than between two Groups Two people so different, from such different cultural and religious backgrounds, that cooperation is next to impossible. That's right, the Muslim Bosnians have a front row seat as Catholic Croatia and Orthodox Serbia begin going head-to-head at every opportunity. Then we're going to yada yada over some time, something happens in 1939, Croatia becomes independent, hooray! In 1945, federal Yugoslavia comes back, and then goodbye federal Yugoslavia, hello, Federal People's Republic of Yugoslavia, so don't worry about it. Under the new communist government, the growing pre-war tensions that, ha- that had emerged between the nations of Yugoslavia are swept straight under the rug. And three languages are recognised in this state, Slovene. Macedonian, and the single language Serbo-Croatian. Between 1945 and 1992, especially in Croatia, Montenegro, Serbia, and Bosnia-Herzegovina, Serbo-Croatian is the main language. It is taught in schools, it is the language of government, business, and pop culture. By the end of the century, it is the only language of the region, divided by little more than accents. Serbo-Croatian is today the language of these four countries. Which is why in 2021, when Serbian textbooks listed Croatian as an accent of Serbian, and Croatia responded angrily demanding the books be changed, you could be excused for going, wait, but so are they four languages or are they one language? You still haven't answered that question. So, Croatian isn't a language, but then why is the Prime Minister sending angry letters to Serbia, demanding they recognize Croatian as a language? Did I happen to mention it's complicated? Okay, let's, hang on, I need to I need to pop back a few minutes. Okay, we've got the Ottomans, Yugoslavians, Serbo-Croatians. Where, where is Croatia? Maybe I need to go back to those parts that I yada yaded over before. Maybe something important happened between 1939 and 1945 and 1914 and 1918. Oh okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Though Bosnia, Croatia, Montenegro, and Serbia are four near identical ethnic groups, they developed into four distinct cultures, as we already said. The Catholic Croats, uh proud, autonomous members of the Habsburg Empire, Orthodox Serbs, difficult, long suffering rebels of the Ottoman Empire, the Islamic kind of Bosnian thriving tradespeople, and the Montenegrins were also there. Ominous thunder. As Yugoslavia took shape first as the kingdom of Croat, Slovenes, and Serbs, Slav-Croat nationalists wanted to emulate Croatian culture. Serbs wanted to emulate Serbian culture, Slovenes, Slovenian culture, and the Montenegrins and Bosnians. Were also there. If you're wondering why the Bosnians weren't included in the name it's because Bosnia was a mix of Croat and Serbian with the urban Bosniaks being the Muslim residents who had their own distinct culture but were drawn chiefly from Croats but also from Serbians but are virtually indistinguishable from either. Now could the Bosniaks have have been a powerful reminder of the abstract nature of ethnicity and culture demonstrating a shared way forward under a new culture of compromise and acceptance? Well, sure. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. As the largest cultural group, the Serbians began to be a little bit domineering, leading to groups fearing Yugoslavia was really just a Serbian empire. The king was Serbian, the capital was Belgrade, and Serbian national culture was awfully proud of being the first truly independent Southern Slavic kingdom in centuries. And when some minority cultures went Uh, Excuse me, but uh, could could we ask some questions? A Serbian extremist group almost immediately popped into existence and began assassinating people. Which, never a good sign for, for for a budding country. As other Yugoslavian groups began muttering about this maybe being some bullshit, the more Western and Catholic Croatians formed their own nationalistic movements separate from the Yugoslavic movement. It argued Croatian was its own culture which fair. It was shaped by nearly a millennia of separation from its cousins. Again, fair. They said Serbia was beginning to act awfully imperial, and that really the Croatians were too different to be part of a Serbian-dominated state, which fair. And maybe this whole Yugoslavia idea was a mistake to begin with. And also there's this Hitler guy who's making some really good points, which again, fair. Wait, hang on, what? In 1941, the Nazis arrived, and the Wehrmacht overran the Kingdom of Yugoslavia. The Nazis assumed they would find support among the increasingly dissatisfied Croats. The Nazis first offered the Yugoslav puppet government to a Croat nationalist, who refused. Then came the Ustasha, a small terrorist group who had spent years infiltrating various institutions in Croatia, who said, we'll work for you, but uh, we have two conditions. Firstly, we just want Croatia, and secondly, we want to do really horrible things to minorities. Immediately, the Ustasha decided to purge all Serbs, issuing, direct- issuing a directive to kill one-third of the Serb population of the region, expel one-third, and convert another third to Catholicism. When the Nazis came back asking for the Jews and Romani, the Ustasha had already declared them enemies of the people. With the end of the war, the Ustasha, like the Nazis, were decimated, either going into hiding, being executed, or emigrating. And what happened to the Muslims of Bosnia? Well, rather confusingly, despite being Muslims, you might expect the extreme ultra-nationalist Catholic Croatians to view them as their natural enemies, but the Ustasha actually viewed the Bosniaks as Muslim Croats. And so the Bosniaks were pretty much left alone. With the war over and state atheism in effect, Yugoslavians were told to get along, or else. Tito, playing a game of edgemanship with the US and the USSR, actually managed to make Yugoslavia surprisingly prosperous under a new Yugoslavian identity, which Serbians loved, and everyone else said, this whole Yugoslavian identity seems awfully similar to Serbian identity, if you ask me. But at least most people were saying it in the same language, Serb-Croatian. Once more, the official language of Southern Slavia. Unfortunately, these deep divides were going to be so... Unfortunately, these deep divides were not going to be so easily healed by autocracy. Though Yugoslavia was a very ethnically homogenous area, each nationality of Yugoslavia had, as we've seen, very distinct cultures and I've been giving you the simplified version just about the Slavs, because we haven't even mentioned the Albanians. Macedonia was Orthodox Slavic, but had a large Albanian minority with elements of Greek culture. Serbia was largely Orthodox, with an Islamic Albanian-majority southern province. Bosnia was chiefly Muslim and is very Turkish, but with a huge Catholic and Orthodox minority. Croatia and Slovenia were both primarily Catholic, but with large Serbian minorities and Italian cultural influences, and Montenegro was also there. Like the USSR, communism kept things together for a while, and without the Ottomans and the Austrians to keep them together spiritually with a a shared enemy, the Slavic nations began to fray. Macedonia and Slovenia both managed to escape the worst of the collapse of Yugoslavia, but our Serbo-Croat friends were not so lucky. In 1992 Yugoslavia collapsed, or rather, began collapsing. Following the death of Tito and the collapse of the USSR, everyone in Yugoslavia got very nervous all of a sudden, and some truly horrific things began happening. As all the states of Yugoslavia sprinted for the exit, Yugoslavia tried to desperately stop them. When communist Yugoslavia collapsed, some hoped it would lead to peace. But unfortunately, federal Yugoslavia had no such plans, and continued a series of brutal wars and support of various genocidal groups to try and hold together the last remnants of Yugoslavia. In 1995, the Dayton Peace Accords were signed, ending or freezing the conflicts, depending on who you ask. And once the dust settled, Croatia had very few Serbians left in it, Serbia had very few Croatians left in it, and Bosnia had very few people left in it, just in general. And Montenegro was also there. What happened during the war, we're not going to go into too much detail, Tensions which had built up over 100 years of irreconcilable differences and imperial politics led to a massive orgy of violence. Instead of viewing the Serbo-Croats of Bosnia united despite the differing religions, the new nationalists of both Serbia and Croatia viewed them as a threat and unleashed a wave of horror on the region which tore apart the social bonds of this ancient multicultural society. Following the war, the Croatians, who totally didn't commit any genocide wink, asserted their culture more aggressively in their borders. Not only fostering the Catholic identity, but going further and trying to reintroduce a Croatian dialect into schools. Remember, by this point, Serbo-Croatian has been the language of the region for nearly 100 years. But today, it is the policy of the Croatian government that Croatian is a language. Even the National Institute of Languages of the country claims Croatian is a distinct and separate language from serbo Croatian. Could they possibly have made that much change in the Serbo-Croatian of the region in just the last 20-30 years? No. So why are the Croatian government saying this? Well, let's put it this way. In 2020, Croatia passed a law mandating Cyrillic signs in the small handful of cities and towns which had over a one-third Serbian population. Croat nationalists almost immediately stormed buildings, tearing the signs down and terrorising local government offices. I forgot to mention earlier, Serbians, partly because of their relationship with Russia, adopted a Cyrillic alphabet in 1818. Among some Croatian nationalists, the mere suggestion of a Serbo-Croatian link, or any concession to Serbians at all, is responded to with violence. So, the language Croatian, the Croatian government seems pretty sure it's a language and I still haven't answered the basic question, is it? No. No, not really. Serbian, Croat, Montenegrin and Bosnian are 100% mutually intelligible. The countries share literature, movies and music. And though Serbian is still occasionally written in Cyrillic, its grammar, syntax and words are for all intents and purposes identical to its neighbors. Both Montenegro and Serbia hold this to be true. Bosnia holds a sort of middle ground on the issue, but Croatians firmly and repeatedly say no, or in the Croatian language, ne, yeah. or in the Serbian language, ne, yeah. or the Bosnian language Or if you prefer the Montenegrin language, Uh, in 2017, a group of several hundred academics from several NGOs from four countries gathered 10,000 signatures for the declaration on the common language. These people from all four of the countries we've been covering, all speaking the same language, came together and pointed out that they were, in fact, all speaking the same language. As the Croatian, Language Ministry no doubt plugged their ears and went, uh, uh, uh je, je ne sais pas parler Français. So, the larger question is, why? Well, there's a reason I ran down a crash course on the history of the region, and it's not for the love of random historical tidbits. Okay, it's not just for the love of random historical tidbits. But because the divide is not an easy one to explain or understand, I can't claim to. I lived in Bosnia for a month, and that's where I learned about this myth, but I have barely scratched the surface on it. The Declaration on Common Language was part of a series on language and nationalism, a study into how language became the forefront of the nationalist battleground after the fall of Yugoslavia. Four differing cultures of ethnically virtually identical people speaking the same language could only really be divided on their accents. And so that's what nations did. The authors of the Declaration say that trying to deny the existence of Serbo-Croatian is, quote, Repressive, unnecessary, and harmful, and that the aim of the declaration is to stimulate discussion on language without the nationalistic baggage and to contribute to the reconciliation process, Unfortunately, in the complexities of four distinct cultures among one ethnically and linguistically homogenous group, people seeking division can still find ways to divide people. And in many ways, Serbo-Croatian has fallen victim to that. But we can't blame Croatian nationalists entirely for sticking their head in the sand. Though Serbia and Serbian areas have declared Serbo-Croatian one language, the old tensions still exist. The 2021 Language Standardization Declaration about Serbo-Croatian being one language I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, well, it was a bit more direct than maybe I let on. The board declared Serbo-Croatian was one language. That one language being Serbian, calling Bosnian, Croatian, Montenegrin, accents of Serbian. Way to go not being imperialistic or patronising at all Serbia. I can't... I wonder why so many people thought Yugoslavia was just a Serbian empire. Mystifying. Ongoing tensions in Bosnia over the autonomous Republic of Srpska, a Serbian region within the nation, have compounded these issues which still boil below the surface, even today. Though the scars of war are being plastered away in the streets of Bosnia, in the tongues of its people, they are still there. So, if you find yourself in the Balkans, make sure to learn some Serbo-Croatian. Just make sure never to call it Serbo-Croatian in Serbia, Bosnia, or Croatia. That is all we have time for today. Thank you for joining me. Feedback can be sent to historicalhysteria at gmail.com. And don't forget to check the socials, r historicalhysteria on Reddit and at Manic History on Twitter. But before I leave, let me leave you with this. In Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia, in 1892, the Austro-Hungarian officials began constructing a new city hall to mark the Austrian era of the city. After demolishing several houses, they came across one house whose owner simply refused to sell. For years they were at an impasse, with the man refusing to leave his house, until 1895, when he agreed to sell his property on one condition, that he got to moved the entire house, brick by brick, to the opposite side of the river overlooking the city hall, and in exchange he got a sack of gold worth the value of his house. The house is still there today, it is a restaurant, and it is known as the House of Spite, or Inat Kucha. and goodbye. Sources for today's episode included TheEconomist.com is Serbo-Croatian a Language, the Institute of Croatian Language and Linguistics, and the Declaration on the Common Language by Languages and Nationalism. Anyway, bye.